Welcome to the Romance of the Three Kingdoms podcast. This is episode 24. Before we continue, I just want to say that if I sound a little nasally in this episode, it's because I'm fighting a cold. I thought about skipping this week, but with the holidays coming up, I wanted to get at least one more episode in. Last time, Cao Cao was retreating after a loss to Zhang Xiu, and things were looking somewhat dire. Liu Biao had cut off his path of retreat by stationing an army at Anzhong County, while Zhang Xiu was giving chase from behind. But Cao Cao was like, I've got this, don't worry. So let's rejoin the action and see how this all pans out. When Cao Cao arrived at the border of Anzhong, Liu Biao's forces had already staked out all the key points, while Zhang Xiu's army was closing in from behind. Cao Cao ordered his men to work under the cover of night, cutting passages through treacherous terrain and setting up ambushes. As they began to set in, Liu Biao and Zhang Xiu's forces met up. When they saw only a small contingent of Cao Cao's troops in the area, they suspected that Cao Cao was already gone, so they led their armies into the treacherous terrain in pursuit, and of course, they ran right into Cao Cao's ambush, and they were routed. This allowed Cao Cao's army to break through the bottleneck at Anzhong and set up camp beyond it. When Liu Biao and Zhang Xiu regrouped and met up again, they were left scratching their heads, wondering how such a sure victory had turned into defeat. They decided to regroup at Anzhong and wait for another opportunity to attack. Meanwhile, Xun Yu had gotten word that Yuan Shao, whom we have not heard from in a while, was about to make a move on Xu Chang. So Xun Yu dispatched an urgent message to Cao Cao. This intel had Cao Cao very worried, and he immediately ordered his army to retreat toward Xu Chang. Zhang Xiu's spies reported this development to him, and Zhang Xiu figured that this was a good time to give chase and beat up on Cao Cao while he's on the run. But his advisor Jia Xu said, We must not pursue. If we do, we will surely lose. If we don't pursue now, we will have missed a golden opportunity, said Liu Biao, who vehemently advocated for pursuit. Zhang Xiu was moved by Liu Biao's argument, and they led about 10,000 men to give chase. Within a few miles, they caught up with the rear of Cao Cao's army, but Cao Cao's forces fought valiantly, and sent Zhang Xiu and Liu Biao running in defeat. We did not listen to your advice, and we indeed met with defeat, Zhang Xiu said to Jia Xu after they had returned. You should regroup and give chase again, Jia Xu said. But we've already lost once, why give chase a second time? Zhang Xiu and Liu Biao both asked. This time you will win. If it is not so, you may cut off my head, Jia Xu said. Well, since Jia Xu was so right the first time, and sounded so certain now, Zhang Xiu was convinced enough to do as he said. Liu Biao, however, had his doubts and refused to go along a second time. Zhang Xiu alone led an army in pursuit, and sure enough, this time Cao Cao's army was routed and they left a bunch of equipment along the roadside as they fled. Zhang Xiu was just about to keep pressing forward, but then an army appeared from behind the hills, which convinced him to stop while he was ahead and return to Anzhong. So now Liu Biao was totally confounded by how things worked out, so he asked Jia Xu, The first time, we led fresh troops in pursuit, and you said that we would surely lose. The second time, we attacked them with an army that had just been defeated, but you said we would surely win. You were right both times in opposite circumstances. 
What was your reasoning? <laughs> That's easy, Jia Xu answered. General, even though you are an experienced commander, you are no match for Cao Cao. Even though Cao Cao's army was retreating in defeat, he would surely have stationed stout warriors at the rear to fend off pursuing enemies. No matter how good our troops were, we would not be able to beat them. That's why I predicted we would lose the first time. The second time, Cao Cao was retreating in haste, which could only mean that something urgent was happening in the capital. And since he had already repelled our pursuit once, he would surely be traveling light and not making any preparations to guard against another pursuit. Since we were chasing them while they were unprepared, we were guaranteed victory. This explanation earned the praise of both Liu Biao and Zhang Xiu. Jia Xu then advised Liu Biao to return to Jing province, while Zhang Xiu stayed in Xiangcheng, so that they can both come to each other's aid when needed. And so their armies went their separate ways. Meanwhile, Cao Cao had gotten word that the rear of his army was being attacked, and he hurriedly led his generals to go help out. By the time they got there, Zhang Xiu had already retreated. The men in the rear told Cao Cao that if it wasn't for the relief force that appeared out of nowhere, they would have all been captured. Cao Cao looked into the matter, and it turned out that the guy at the head of that relief force was a man named Li Tong, an imperial corps commander. He was stationed at Runan, and when he heard that Cao Cao was fighting against Zhang Xiu and Liu Biao, he came to help out. Being at the right place at the right time, he earned himself a promotion and was put in charge of defending the western borders of Runan, all without having to actually fight anyone. Li Tong thanked Cao Cao and took his leave, and Cao Cao returned to the capital without further incident. When he got back, he made sure to reward Sun Ce for his collaboration in the campaigns against Yuan Shu and Zhang Xiu. He bestowed a fancy generalship on Sun Ce and also named him the Lord of Wu, which was the name of the region that Sun Ce now reigned over. Along with the decree bestowing these honors, Cao Cao also sent to Sun Ce an order to continue keeping an eye on Liu Biao. When Cao Cao returned to his residence, a number of officials were there to pay their respects. Xun Yu then asked him, Your Excellency moved the army to Anzhong at a deliberate pace. How did you know that you would defeat the enemy? The enemy had no path of retreat, Cao Cao said, so they were sure to fight to the death. So I took my time and lured them into my trap. That's why I knew victory would be mine. Xun Yu praised Cao Cao's genius. Of course, neither brought up the black eye that Zhang Xiu and Liu Biao gave Cao Cao the second time they chased him. Then another of Cao Cao's advisors, Guo Jia, entered and showed Cao Cao a letter. This is a letter from Yuan Shao to your excellency, Guo Jia said. He says he intends to attack Gongsun Zan and would like to ask you to lend him some provisions and troops. <laughs> I heard that Yuan Shao was intending to attack Xu Chang, Cao Cao said. And now that I am back, he is setting his sights elsewhere. When Cao Cao read the letter, the language within was arrogant and dismissive. Yuan Shao is so disrespectful toward me, and I want to teach him a lesson. But I worry that we are outnumbered. What do you think? Cao Cao asked Guo Jia. Your Excellency no doubt knows about the mismatch that once existed between the Supreme Ancestor and his chief rival, Xiang Yu, Guo Jia said. The Supreme Ancestor triumphed through superior intellect, and although Xiang Yu was stronger, he was vanquished in the end. Right now, Yuan Shao has ten disadvantages, 
while Your Excellency has ten advantages. So even though Yuan Shao has more troops, there is no reason to fear him. And here's where Guo Jia kicks it up a notch with his brown nosing, as he went on to rattle off the ten cons against Yuan Shao and the ten pros for Cao Cao. First, Yuan Shao governs with a profusion of rules and regulations, while Your Excellency's orders are simple and not constraining. Thus, you have the advantage in principles of government. Second, Yuan Shao acts without legitimacy, while you lead with imperial sanction. Thus, you have the advantage in honor. Third, ever since the Emperor Huan and Ling, the court has suffered from lax rules, Yuan Shao suffers from the same habit, while you demand strict discipline. Thus, you have the advantage in administration. Fourth, Yuan Shao appears tolerant on the outside, but is inwardly envious and gives positions to mostly his relatives. Your Excellency, on the other hand, is outwardly direct and inwardly understanding, and you employ men according to their ability. Thus, you have the edge in judgment. Fifth, Yuan Shao frequently makes plans, but rarely makes up his mind, while you make a plan and act on it decisively. Thus, you have the advantage in strategy. Sixth, Yuan Shao only seeks to enhance his reputation, while you treat people with sincerity. Thus, you have the advantage in morality. Seventh, Yuan Shao only pays attention to those near him and ignores those who are farther away. You take everyone into consideration. That gives you the edge in humanity. Eighth, Yuan Shao is often misled by petty slander, while you are impervious to gossip. That gives you the edge in discretion. Nine, Yuan Shao does not distinguish between right and wrong, while you lay down strict and clear rules and regulations. That gives you the edge in civil administration. Tenth, Yuan Shao loves to take hollow stances, but he does not know the essentials of warfare, while you have triumphed even when outnumbered. That gives you the advantage in arms. With those ten advantages, Your Excellency will defeat Yuan Shao easily. Whew. So yeah, that's some really, really good bootlicking there, and Cao Cao was pleased by this obvious hyperbole. He laughed and said, I don't think I can live up to such a description. But Xun Yu, probably kicking himself for not coming up with something similar, chimed in and said, I agree with Guo Jia. Even though Yuan Shao has the superior numbers, there is no need to fear him. However, Guo Jia added, Lü Bu in Xu province really is a huge threat. Right now, while Yuan Shao is busy attacking Gongsun Zan, we should take this advantage to eliminate Lü Bu first and pacify the southeast before we take on Yuan Shao. This is the best way to go. Otherwise, as soon as we attack Yuan Shao, Lü Bu would move on Xuchang, and that would be a grave concern. Cao Cao heeded this advice, and he started to make plans for an expedition against Lü Bu. Xun Yu advised him to send a messenger to Liu Bei first, so Cao Cao wrote to Liu Bei. He also treated Yuan Shao's messenger well, and heaped some of the highest honors upon Yuan Shao so as to put him at ease. Titles like Regent, Grand Commandant, and Chief Commander of the Four Northeastern Provinces, Ji, Qing, You, and Bing. He also sent a personal letter to Yuan Shao telling him, Go ahead and attack Gongsun Zan and I will offer assistance. When Yuan Shao got this, 
he was delighted and set off on his campaign against Gongsun Zan. While Cao Cao was busy making plans to attack Li Bu, Li Bu was still in the dark in Xu province. Whenever he held a banquet, Chen Gui and his son Chen Deng, who were in cahoots with Cao Cao, would praise Li Bu to the heavens. Chen Gong saw all this, and he did not like it one bit. So one day, when the opportunity arose, he said to Li Bu, Chen Gui and his son may appear to sing your praises, but who knows what they are really up to. It's best to be on guard. But Li Bu answered angrily, You are speaking slander without cause. Are you trying to frame innocent people? Hit with this reply, Chen Gong could only leave and sigh. <sighs> he refuses to listen to loyal advice. He will be the end of us all. And from that point on, Chen Gong entertained thoughts of leaving Li Bu, but part of him could not bear abandoning him, and another part of him worried about people laughing at him if he did leave, so he was perpetually unhappy. One day, to distract himself, Chen Gong led a few riders on a hunt outside Xiao Pei, where Liu Bei was stationed. During the hunt, Chen Gong noticed a rider galloping down the road. He grew suspicious, so he called off the hunt and led his riders down a back road to catch up to the guy. Whose messenger are you? Chen Gong asked. The guy knew that Chen Gong was in Lü Bu's service, and he panicked and could not answer. So Chen Gong ordered his men to search the messenger, and they turned up something very interesting. A secret letter from Liu Bei to Cao Cao. Chen Gong immediately brought the messenger and the message to Lü Bu. When questioned by Lü Bu, the messenger spilled the beans. Prime Minister Cao ordered me to deliver a message to Liu Bei, and I was on my way back with his reply, but I don't know the contents of the letters. So Lü Bu opened the letter, and its content immediately ticked him off. The letter said, Ever since your excellency ordered me to move against Lü Bu, I have been tending to the matter with the utmost care. However, I lack troops and officers. Therefore, I dare not move rashly. When your excellency mobilizes your army, I shall serve as your vanguard. In the meantime, I am making all necessary preparations and awaiting your orders. How dare that pig Cao Cao! Li Bu raged after reading the letter. He immediately had the messenger beheaded. He first then sent Chen Gong and the general Zhang Ba to go forge an alliance with a group of rebels hanging around Mount Tai and have them advance east on the districts of Yan province. He then ordered Gao Shun and Zhang Liao to attack Xiao Pei, and dispatch Song Xian and Wei Ho to attack Runan and Yingchuan. Lü Bu himself led the main army as backup for all three prongs. As Gao Shun's army approached Xiao Pei, Liu Bei's scouts quickly reported the news to their master. Liu Bei assembled his staff to talk about what to do. Sun Qian suggested that they send an urgent request for help to Cao Cao, and Jian Yong, Liu Bei's secretary, volunteered for the task, so Liu Bei sent him off immediately and then tended to his defenses. Liu Bei himself watched over the south gate, with Sun Qian watching the north gate, Guan Yu the west gate, and Zhang Fei the east gate. And mind you, Sun Qian was no fighter, he was a civil official, and it just goes to show you how few horses Liu Bei had in his stable at this time. Mi Zhu and his younger brother Mi Fang were entrusted with protecting Liu Bei's family in the heart of the army. 
and the reason they got this job was because Liu Bei had taken their sister as his second wife, so their family. When Gao Shen arrived, Liu Bei called out to him from the top of the walls and tried to play dumb. There is no quarrel between me and General Liu. Why have you come here with an army? Liu Bei asked. You were scheming with Cao Cao to attack my master. Your plot has been exposed. Surrender now, Gao Shen demanded. He then ordered his men to lay siege to the city. Liu Bei simply closed the gates and refused to come out. The next day, Zhang Liao led a force to attack the west gate. Guan Yu, who was defending that side of the city, said to him from the wall, Sir, you do not look like the ordinary sort. Why have you fallen in with a rebel like Lü Bu? Zhang Liao, feeling ashamed, lowered his head and did not reply. For his part, Guan Yu knew that Zhang Liao was an honorable man, so he did not hurl any more verbal abuses at him. He also refused to go out and give battle. Soon, Zhang Liao called off his attack on the west gate. As he passed by the east gate, however, Zhang Fei was more than ready for a fight and rode out to meet him. When Guan Yu got word of this, he hurried over just in time to see Zhang Liao retreating as soon as Zhang Fei set foot outside the city gates. Zhang Fei was about to give chase, but Guan Yu called him back into the city. They're falling back, why do you not give chase? Zhang Fei asked. Zhang Liao's skills are the equal of ours, Guan Yu said. He is retreating because he is feeling ashamed after my words to him. So Zhang Fei only ordered his men to stand guard by the gate, and did not go back out for battle. Meanwhile, Jian Yong arrived in Xuchang with Liu Bei's call for help, and Cao Cao immediately assembled his advisors. I want to move on Lü Bu, he told them. Yuan Shao is no threat to us for now, but I am worried about Liu Biao and Zhang Xiu. Those two have recently been defeated and are unlikely to make a move, Xun Yu said. Lü Bu, however, is an immediate threat. If he links up with Yuan Shu, they would overrun the region around the Huai and the Si rivers. At that point, it would be hard to move on them anytime soon. Guo Jia also chimed in. We should strike now, while his rebellion is young and he does not yet have popular support. Cao Cao heeded their advice and ordered Xiahou Dun, Xiahou Yuan, Lü Qian, and Li Dian to lead 50,000 men as the vanguard, while Cao Cao himself led the main army, accompanied by Jian Yong. Scouts quickly reported this development to Gao Shen, who passed it along to Lü Bu. Lü Bu sent Hou Cheng, Hao Meng, and Cao Xing with 200-some riders to reinforce Gao Shen and to meet Cao Cao's forces about 10 miles outside Xiaopei, while he himself followed with the main army. Inside Xiaopei, when Liu Bei saw Gao Shen's forces fall back, he knew that Cao Cao's army was near, so he left Sun Qian in charge of the city and the Mi brothers in charge of protecting his family, while he himself, along with Guan Yu and Zhang Fei, led the bulk of their men out of the city to set up camp and wait for the coming fight. On the other end, Cao Cao's vanguard, led by Xiao Dun, ran into Gao Shen. So Xiao Dun hoisted his spear and galloped out to fight Gao Shen. They dueled for about 50 bouts, and Gao Shen began to falter. So he turned and fled along his own line, while Xiao Dun refused to give up the chase. At that moment, within Gao Shen's lines, the officer Cao Xing secretly took aim at Xiao Dun and let fly an arrow. 
The arrow found its mark and pierced Xiahou Dun's left eye. Xiahou Dun let out a blood-curling cry and tried to pull the arrow out, but in his haste, he pulled out the arrow and his eyeball. What happened next defied belief. Xiahou Dun cried, This is flesh and blood given to me by my parents. It cannot be abandoned. So he put the eyeball in his mouth and swallowed it. And then he hoisted his spear again and rode toward Cao Xing. Cao Xing, stunned and caught off guard, took a spear thrust right in the face and fell off his horse dead. Everyone on both sides who witnessed this badass spectacle were aghast. Having avenged his lost eye, Xiahou Dun now rode back toward his own line. Gao Xun gave chase, and his men followed and routed Cao Cao's vanguard. Xiahou Yuan escorted his brother as they fled, while Li Dian and Lu Qian regrouped their defeated army and set up camp at Jibei. Gao Xun, meanwhile, turned his victorious army around and went after Liu Bei. Now Liu Bei and his brothers had set up camp outside of Xiao Pei, figuring they were going to get lots and lots of help from Cao Cao. But instead, they now found themselves outnumbered and without any help at the moment. Gao Xun and Zhang Liao attacked Guan Yu's camp, while Lu Bu went after Zhang Fei's camp. Guan Yu and Zhang Fei both went out to repel the enemy, while Liu Bei served as backup for them both. But then Lu Bu sent a detachment of his forces to sweep in from behind, and that proved too much. Guan Yu and Zhang Fei's forces disintegrated, and Liu Bei fled back toward Xiao Pei, with only a few dozen riders around him and Lu Bu hot on his tail. At the city wall, Liu Bei called for the soldiers inside the city to lower the drawbridge, which they did, but Liu Bei had barely started to cross the bridge when Lu Bu caught up. The city guards couldn't raise the bridge in time, and since Liu Bei was so close to Lu Bu, they did not dare to fire arrows in case they might hit their own master. That allowed Lu Bu to storm into the city. The guards at the gate all scattered, and Lu Bu waved his army in. Seeing that things had just hit the fan, Liu Bei just kept on riding straight through the city and went out the west gate all by himself. He didn't even have time to collect his family, so once again, when in doubt, ditch the wife and kids. They are just garment after all. When Lu Bu arrived at Liu Bei's residence inside Xiao Pei, Mi Zhu came out to greet him and said, I have heard that a real man does not harm another's family. General, Cao Cao is the only one who is contending with you for control of the realm. Liu Bei has never forgotten how your marksmanship and your kindness saved him from Yuan Shu's attack, and he would never dare to betray you. He has joined up with Cao Cao only because he had no choice. I hope you will spare his family. Liu Bei and I are old acquaintances, Li Bu said. How could I bear to harm his family? He then ordered Mi Zhu to gather up Liu Bei's family and move to Xu province, where they were to live in peace. Li Bu himself led his army toward Yan province and left Gao Xun and Zhang Liao to defend Xiao Pei. By this time, Sun Qian, whom Liu Bei had left in charge, had already fled out of the city, while Guan Yu and Zhang Fei had gathered up some of their scattered armies and set up bases in the hills. As for Liu Bei, he was fleeing alone when Sun Qian caught up to him. I don't know whether my brothers are alive or dead, and I don't know the fate of my family. What should we do? Liu Bei asked. Let's go join up with Cao Cao first, and then figure it out, Sun Qian replied. 
so the two rode towards Xuchang, but they took the back roads to avoid detection. Since they didn't exactly have time to pack a lunch before they fled, they had to go to the villages along the way to beg for food. Wherever they went, when the people heard that it was Liu Bei, the man they so loved, they all fought over who got to present him with food and drink. One day, Liu Bei and Sun Qian sought shelter for the night at a house. A young man came out to inquire who they were. This young man was named Liu An, and he was a hunter. When he heard that it was Liu Bei gracing him with his presence, he naturally welcomed them in. He then went out to try to find some game to feed his honored guests. But Mother Nature was not cooperating, and there was no game to be had that night. Well, this just won't do. After all, you have the beloved Liu Bei in your house. You can't just let him go hungry. So in a moment of I don't even know what, Liu An killed his wife and served her for dinner. When Liu Bei asked what kind of meat he was eating, Liu An answered that it was wolf meat, and Liu Bei ate without any suspicion. You know, I just have to take a time out here and point out that the romance of the three kingdoms is just flat out hostile toward the fair sex. Women are either painted as manipulative, jealous types who bring nothing but trouble, or useless, disposable parts to be ditched whenever the situation got tough. And now we see that if you're in a pinch for what to serve a visiting dignitary, women are apparently an acceptable source of food. I mean, we're getting into walking dead territory here. Alright, now that I've vented, back to the story. The next day, Liu Bei went to the backyard to get his horse, and he suddenly noticed something odd in the kitchen. It was a dead woman, and the flesh on her arms had been cut off. Liu Bei, understandably alarmed, asked what the hell is going on here. And only then did Liu An reveal that, yeah, it wasn't wolf meat that you had last night. Liu Bei, probably after several bouts of intense vomiting, was grief-stricken as he got on his horse. Liu An said to him, I would accompany you, my lord, but I have an old mother at home, so I dare not venture far. Well, God knows what his mother is going to think when she asks where her daughter-in-law had gone off to. In any case, after resuming his journey, Liu Bei and Sun Qian traveled past Liangcheng. Suddenly, a huge army approached, kicking up enough dust to block out the sun. This was Cao Cao's main force. Liu Bei and Sun Qian went to meet Cao Cao and told him about how Liu Bei lost Xiao Pei, got separated from his brothers, ditched his family, and oh yeah, had this delicious delicacy last night that you just have to try. When Cao Cao heard all the travails that poor Liu Bei had to endure, he could not help but shed a tear too. And when he heard what Liu An had served up for dinner, he sent Sun Qian back there with a hundred ounces of gold to reward the man and to give him something for his loss. So note to self, serving your wife for dinner is okay as long as you're serving her to a beloved politician, and you might even get a fat reward out of it. And a word to my wife, honey, if you're listening to this, I promise I would never serve you to a down-on-his-luck general, though I may have to ditch you and the kid if our city ever gets invaded by rampaging hordes. You know, disposable garment and all that. No hard feelings. Hey, what's for dinner? Alright, so Cao Cao now directed his army toward Jibei. When they arrived, Xiao Yuan and company welcomed him and told him that Xiao Dun had lost an eye in the battle. Cao Cao went to visit Xiao Dun 
and ordered him to return to Xuchang to recover. He then sent out scouts to see what Lü Bu was up to. The scouts reported back that Lü Bu had formed an alliance with a group of rebels around Mount Tai and were now attacking districts around Yan province. Cao Cao immediately ordered Cao Ren to lead 3,000 troops to attack Xiao Pei, while Cao Cao led the main army, along with Liu Bei, to go take on Lü Bu. When they approached the mountain pass of Xiao, the Mount Tai rebels were waiting for them with 30,000 troops. Cao Cao ordered his warrior Xu Chu to clear the way. The four leaders of the rebels came out to meet him, but they were no match for Xu Chu and soon turned and fled. Cao Cao pursued him all the way to the foot of Xiao Pass, and scouts quickly brought this news to Lü Bu, who had returned to Xu province at this point. When Lü Bu got word of Cao Cao's movement, he decided to go do something about it, and he was going to take Chen Deng with him. Before they set out, Chen Deng's father, Chen Gui, whom Lü Bu had left to oversee things in Xu province, told his son, Prime Minister Cao once told you that all the affairs of the East rested in your hands. Now Lü Bu is facing imminent defeat. We can move on him. I will take care of all the external affairs, father, Chen Deng said. If Lü Bu returns here in defeat, you should ask Mi Zhu to help you oversee the city and do not let Lü Bu in. I will find a way to extract myself. But Lü Bu's family is here, and with them many who are loyal to him. Chen Gui said. What should we do about them? I have an idea, Chen Deng replied. To find out what Chen Deng's idea was, and how Lü Bu's coming battle with Cao Cao will turn out, tune in next time on the Romance of the Three Kingdoms podcast. And if I don't talk to you again before Christmas arrives, happy holidays, thanks for listening, and thank you very much for all your support this year. See you next time.